I will never write a single line which I have not first felt in my own heart. He'll teach you everything! Truer words were never spoken. All right. Language and writing were made available. I'm writing this down. This is good stuff. I'm John, and this is John Helps You Write Better, so let's talk about how to write better. I want to answer a question that didn't make its way into the most recent writer's chat. And the only reason it didn't was because, uh, one, it's a very short answer, but I wanted to give it more attention than what I gave it when the question was written to me, you know, in an email. John, is it possible to have an antagonist that's not a person? Can you have something that isn't a physical entity be your antagonist? Yes, absolutely you can. It's called an antagonistic force. Now, this force is usually personified in prose, but represented in a number of different ways. Like, if you're marooned on a desert island with a volleyball, your antagonistic force, or at least one of them, might be the uh, just the rough ability to survive. The storms and the heat and the sun and the, the dangers of the island. But it might also be you know, the raging surf that's keeping you from building a raft. It could be any number of things. It could be a collective, just survival, or it could be individuated. The storm, the rocks, the lack of food, how hard it is to start a fire. Each could be their own obstacle. You want to, or you tend to want to, in prose, personify them, anthropomorphize them, because that's going to give you the greatest amount of writing utility. You don't always want to write the sentence, the need for fire, blah, 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 blah. So you want to find different ways of representing that challenge, that need, that difficulty, that problem, that thing, to allow you to talk about it in the most dynamic number of ways. This is pretty normal stuff. An antagonistic force, though, isn't only environmental. It's commonly environmental. It's a safe bet that you know, if, you're in a, if you're a plane crash survivor and you've got a hike back home, that the, the bitter frostbite and the snow and all that could be your antagonistic force. But it doesn't have to be environmental. It could be situational. Poverty, joblessness, houselessness. These are semi-environmental things or social construct things that allow us to uh, develop a sense of challenge for our characters, but it doesn't even need to be that kind of, you know, abstracted thing. It could be something personal, self-doubt, fear, anxiety, uncertainty of something that paralyzes the character or challenges the character, fear of failure, fear of success, Anything that causes or creates an opportunity for a character to possibly overcome through the power of transformation and acceptance can be made into an antagonistic force. Whether that's my fear that I'm not good enough, so I tend not to do X, Y, or Z, and in order for me to move forward, I've given an ultimatum that I have to do X, Y, and Z, which causes me to change. 
or it's I have to, you know, hunt down a wolf that's been plaguing my hike back home and I will skin it and use its fur to line my boots so I don't get frostbite when I return home or I have to build a raft along with my volleyball friend to survive. There are all these different elements in an antagonistic force that allow the character to change. That change or that potential for change is the whole point of your antagonist. Even if your antagonist is like the evil CEO who wants to bulldoze the orphanage, there's some element of the relationship between that character and what they want and our hero and what they want that allows for change. Not just change in terms of, I've defeated them in single sword combat, but change in terms of who each character is, or at least who each protagonistic character is, because generally your antagonists remain antagonists. Who the character is is no longer applicable. If we have to defeat the, the only way to win and keep the orphanage from being bullnosed is to beat the CEO's uh, snotty jock son in a drag race, but I have a fear of driving, then my urge and my want is to learn how to drive so I can beat the jock snotty kid so that the CEO can't bulldoze the orphanage. There's an incentive there for me to transform. Find that incentive and you give your plot some level of momentum. Let's look at something more abstract. Let's look at something outside the typical action genre. Let's look at a romance. Because where is the tension and incentive in a romance? 99% of the time, it's going to be in the romantic relationship because that's the point of the romance novel. If it's not, if you're if your plot is sort of perpendicular to your romance, two characters are in love, and oh, by the way, there's this other thing going on, you're going to run into a lot of trouble making that other thing feel important because there's no incentive to transform the character. There's no incentive to really care. There's no challenge in it. This is why so often in romance novels, the antagonist or antagonistic force represents a threat to the, relate, the romantic relationship. We can't love each other. We're from two different warring Italian families. You're a prisoner on the run, and the U.S. Marshal is our antagonist. Those direct obstacles allow us for a chance to take action and do something to give us the results we want. The best example of a poorly crafted, also, by the way, there's a plot, is porn. Because porn, for whatever kind of porn you want to talk about, is not about the plot. No one in the porn really cares about the pizza delivery guy or the plumber who's there to fix the leaky sink. Like, it's not about, oh, you need to, you know, snake this drain or, oh, I guess I've delivered the pepperoni pizza to the wrong place. It's not about that. It's about getting to the sex on screen. The antagonist and the antagonist's incentive matters. And the antagonistic force needs to have an incentive. We have to have something we can do against this antagonistic force. This is, just as a side note, one of the reasons why something like uh, gothic cosmic horror big crazy stakes, big giant space creatures outside of our conception that are mentally overwhelming 
That's why it's really hard to kind of engage with that stuff because there's no incentive. When the creature is so vast, it destroys our sanity to even consider it. What the shit are we supposed to do? Where is our incentive to transform positively? These are reasonable problems to poke a stick at in a genre. So my challenge to you is today, go look at your antagonist. Go look and see who they are, what they are, what they're trying to accomplish, and see if you can identify the incentive. See if you can nail down what it is the hero has to do, can do, needs to do, must want to do, etc. in order to move forward. Give that some thought, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.